Uh, welcome. We are glad that you're here. I am so excited. We've been looking forward to this for a really, really long time. Uh, for those of us um, in church, this is like Super Bowl Sunday for us. Um, and to start it off, we had lots and lots of donuts, more than, than I should have had. I'm confessing. I don't know why, but I was just so excited. I saw the donuts and the people and I said, let's do this. This is going to be a great Sunday. We have a, a, a pinata uh, that we got and some people said what in the world's going on why do we have the number three well to be honest i was on the pinata search committee uh of one and i looked everywhere i could and i just did not feel comfortable with spider-man or a ninja turtle hanging from a rope in front i said you know we can't do that and so i found the three and i said you want to know what three is great because we are celebrating the third day the day in which everything in the world was changed. But, but before we get to the third day, I just want us to imagine the second day. Jesus had been taken to trial. It was late at night. There was a lot of false witnesses. There were a lot of denying. There's betrayal. People are running around. And the next thing you know, Jesus, the King of the Jews, the supposed Son of God is hung as a criminal on a cross and he dies, his body is carried away and it's in a tomb and everybody goes back to their homes. And nobody knows what's going to happen Sunday. Nobody knows what's going to happen and, and I often wonder, what were those people thinking on Saturday? What were they thinking when the one that they loved, the one that they believed in, the one they thought was the Messiah, the coming King, who would fix and change everything, is now dead. I love this song that we just sang a minute ago because we start off really slow because that's where people were at one time. In the grave Jesus laid. And so I started thinking about that. And I don't know why Siri keeps trying to listen to me because I don't have anything to say to her, but she's talking to me. So I was just really curious. What, what would those people say on Saturday? And then I got really intrigued and I thought, what, what would Jesus say if he could speak to them? And so, you know, I don't have a lot of clout, but, you know, I'd... I'd I did the best that I could. I made some phone calls. I pulled some strings. And I got a hold of some folks. And they started doing some digging for me. And they looked in caves. They looked in graveyards. They looked in synagogues. They couldn't find it anywhere. But finally, oddly enough, they found what we were looking for. At the bottom of a basement in the corner a worker for the Jerusalem Postal Service found it. He had to dig through all sorts of relics and all sorts of these old packed up tunics and there was a stack of mail and then there's something that looked like the Ark of the Covenant, eat your heart out, Indiana Jones. He moved all of that aside and then he found this right here. Apparently, this is a bag that was carried thousands of years ago and he says there's something in here that you're looking for and it's exactly 
what you need. And so I have this. So if you don't mind, I don't really know what's in it, but I'm curious. And I'm hoping you will kind of just go along with me as we find out what's in here. He just sent me a little email. He says, I'm overnighting this package. You're really going to want to know what's in this thing. And he just says, um, these are letters from a tomb. I don't know what that means. So um, I'm getting older. And so I'm going to sit down because it seems like that's what I should be doing. I'm going to sit down and we're just going to read some of these letters. So apparently what he was saying is that these were letters that were, that were never delivered, but we should read them. And he said these are, these are letters that were written on Saturday. Letters that were written on Saturday. Let's see what they say. And it was nice of him because I was afraid, like, there's no way I'm going to be able to read this in Greek. But apparently, he was able to translate it into English for all of us today. That was going to be a toughie. So here we go. My dear Peter, I know the last few hours have been especially difficult for you. And I know that you are filled with regrets and grief and shame. Please remember that your denials did not send me to the cross. My love for you did. I know you thought that denying me would save your life, but the truth is, me denying myself is what saved you. I want you to know that I forgive you. I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I have not given up on you. I'm going to use you in a really big way. You are broken, but this is what needed to happen. I have so much more to say to you, and soon enough you will see me again. This time, you will not run away from me, but run to me. We will embrace, we will weep, and we will celebrate with joy. We might even eat some fish together soon. Just know that your life will not be defined by what you did to me. It will be defined by what I did for you. I can't wait to see you in a few days. P.S. You may not be the fastest runner, but I trust that you will be the first to walk into that tomb. I'll see you soon. Jesus. I bet you Peter would have loved to get that one. I wonder if we have... Oh, here's another one. Okay. We've got a, quite a few of these. Here we go. Okay. Oh, Thomas. <laughs> you didn't see this coming, now did you? I know that what I said I was uh, going to do was really hard to believe. One day we are feeding the multitudes and raising the dead. The next day I'm prophesying that everyone will desert me and I will die as a criminal. But I want you to know I'm not a criminal. Our plan hasn't failed. Your life is not over. Do you want to know a little secret? I'm not dead. I know that's hard to believe. I know that you must have your doubts, but I don't blame you. In a few days, you're going to hear some rumors, but you're going to refuse to believe them. You won't believe them because believing that I am alive means everything will change. 
Can I tell you another secret? Everything will change. You think seeing a few scars and touching a few wounds changes everything? I have so much in store for you. Don't lose heart and don't lose faith. It won't be long. Jesus. Boy, that would have been good for Thomas to hear. He struggled so much with, with having faith and, and having doubts. Oh, Matthew. <laughs> oh, my dear friend, you have been through so much. You gave up family, friends, and respect to become a tax collector. In return, you got wealth, power, and fine living, everything that you thought you wanted. And then I walked by your booth, and you walked away from it and gave up everything just to follow me. Then the fun really began. We fed multitudes, traveled across the country. We made some friends and even more enemies. We healed the sick, the paralyzed, the lepers, and the blind. We raised people from the dead, preached them to the masses, and attended enough parties to last a lifetime. I think it's safe to say that none of that would have happened if you didn't quit your day job. I hope you think that leaving that tax booth was the best thing that you ever did. However, you might be wondering if you gave up everything once again just to get nothing. I'm gone and you're left confused and you're broken and you're lost. Matthew, I need you to know it ain't over. I died, but my father is going to raise me back to life. It's going to be the greatest story ever told. And with a little help from you, it's going to be the greatest story ever written. Get your pen ready, Matthew. I have a few details that I want to share with you, but I'll fill you in with those later. In the meantime, just don't give up. I'll see you soon. Jesus. Now, this is addressed to three different people. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. I don't know if y'all remember those people. Maybe they'll come back to you. I, I, I love you all so much. You are my family. We have laughed together. We've cried together. We shared meals together, and we've lived life together. Lazarus, I even went to your funeral. You all never stopped following, listening, encouraging, and supporting me. Even when you didn't understand, you always left room for faith. Lazarus, when you were lying in the tomb, both of your sisters were heartbroken at your passing. They wanted you to be alive, and they both thought that I could have healed you. Martha, do you remember what you said to me when I showed up in town? Mary, what about you? Do you remember what you said to me? Both of you said the same thing. If you had been here, Jesus, my brother would not have died. Sometimes, sometimes you go through hard times even when you're close to the Messiah. When faith is strong and I am near, sometimes we still face hardship and heartache and hurt. Lazarus, you died and laid in a tomb for four days before I raised you back to life. Those were great days for you, but they were pretty awful days for everyone down here. But when you came back alive, that changed so much. So I want you to know something. I'm going to do an encore. I'm going away for a few days, but I'm coming back. 
and I will rise. I will see you face to face again. I figure if old Lazarus can be raised from the dead, I figure I might as well do the same thing myself. I can't let you have all the bragging rights. So weep if you must, but keep looking at the tomb. It's soon to be empty. I can't wait to see you again, Jesus. So interesting to think about what they were going through and how their lives would be changed in a few days, but they just weren't there yet. Simon. Oh, y'all know Simon the Zealot. He spent his life um, training to kill Romans because he hated them so much, and all of a sudden he finds himself following Jesus, a peacemaker. Simon, I want you to know that I chose you for a reason, for a purpose, and for a goal. You might be thinking that your life is over and your plans have failed. Listen to me, they have not. Your zeal for your nation and for your people have been a big part of who you are. I do not want that fire to burn out. I have a plan for you. Soon your zeal will burn stronger than ever before. However, instead of fighting for a people who can't succeed, you'll be fighting for a king who can't fail. What I did on that cross, what I did for you, what I did for your country and the world and for all the people of all times, that is what will drive you. You're a mighty warrior. And though your fight will not involve fists or swords or daggers, it will rage on. I expect you, Simon, to be on the front lines. You will wage war against hate, injustice, and oppression. And together, we will win. Don't give the, up on the fight and don't lose the faith. We're going to discuss in greater details when I come to see you next week. Always faithful, Jesus. The soldier at the cross. I don't even think we know his name. You were so close. You were so close that you almost missed it. There you were at the foot of a cross. There you were at the foot of my cross. I know you were doing your job, passing the time, and maybe hoping to get your hands on a nice garment that you guys were betting for right below me. I get that. You could have kept your head down, your mind distracted, your mouth silent, but you didn't. You looked up. You looked up expecting to see just another criminal on a cross. Instead, you saw an innocent man. You saw a savior. You saw me. And from the overflow of your heart, you spoke a proclamation that would echo on into eternity. Surely, he was the son of God. You were right. I am. I am the son of God. And I came to save this world. You're going to have the rest of your life to follow orders, to kneel to emperors, to seek power. Everyone around you is going to tell you that joy is found in power, that happiness is found in wealth, and that purpose is found in exaltation. But you know better because you looked up and you saw. So don't keep looking down. Look up to me. Look up and see that gold and robes and food and pleasure won't make you happy. That your fulfillment is found in the Son of God. 
You won't save the world by carrying a sword. I already saved the world by carrying a cross. You Romans think you invented the cross, but I want you to know that I chose that cross before Rome was even founded. I didn't pick it out for you. I picked it out for me. I didn't carry it for me. I carried it for you. And I'm about to do something that's going to blow your mind. You don't know what that means, but you will soon enough. Keep looking up. Jesus of Nazareth. Mother, where do I start? I love you for so much. I love you for raising me, for bandaging my knee when I scraped it and kissing my thumb when I smashed it. I love you for taking care of me and my brothers and my sisters. I love you for how you love Dad. I love you for never giving up on me, even when it didn't make sense. When my Heavenly Father chose you, you chose a very hard road. Because I came, your family would deal with disgrace. Because I came, you carried burdens almost unbearable because I came you watch your children struggle to see their older brother's purpose because I came you have experienced a grief greater than any other parent could possibly imagine because I came you followed me until your life was turned upside down because of me you stood there and watched your son die a brutal, painful, and humiliating death. And you felt that same life-altering, soul-piercing pain. And now I'm gone. And you feel so alone and so broken. But Mom, I'm coming back. And because I'm coming back, our family will be praised forever. Because I'm coming back, I will carry your heavy burdens and take them from you. Because I'm coming back, you will see your kids have a greater purpose. Because I'm coming back, you will experience a joy greater than any parent could possibly imagine because I'm coming back you will follow me into a life of righteousness because I'm coming back you will someday stand with the angels and sing with the choir you will experience joy and grace and peace that you have ever imagined I can't wait to turn your grief into joy and your mourning into laughter and mom it's only a few days away but I miss you already. I love you more. Your baby boy. I just can't imagine what Mary felt on Saturday. The loneliness and the despair. 
Nicodemus. Oh, Nicodemus from John chapter 3. I remember the first time that we met, you were inquisitive, skeptical, and a bit paranoid. But much has changed since we met that night several years ago. No one could have imagined that I would be dead, and no one would have pictured that you would be the one that would be carrying my body to a tomb. Heaving my cold and bloody body must have been difficult. Surely it was physically exhausting, but emotionally it had to be nearly overwhelming. But you did it. And you did it out of love and of respect and out of honor. What I'm about to say may be more shocking to you than to anybody else. Because you were there in those very last moments. You bore the weight of my body. You can testify as you carried it down the hill that it was lifeless. You wrapped my body in clothes. You placed me in the tomb and you walked away. You walked away exhausted and heartbroken, dripping with sweat, covered in blood, weeping as you walked away. But you didn't dare look back at a tomb that was full. So Nicodemus, you should probably sit down for this. I need to tell you something. I'm alive. I'm alive and I'm coming back. I'm coming back and I'm setting up my kingdom. I'm setting up my kingdom which will be filled with people who will be born again. It didn't make sense when I first told you about that and it probably doesn't make sense now but soon it will. The one that you carried will someday carry you. Thank you for being faithful. I'll see you soon. Jesus. Oh man, we're almost done. Jesus was busy writing on that Saturday. Oh, <laughs> this is an interesting one, I'm sure. Pilot. <laughs> you got yourself into quite a mess. I know that you were stuck trying to please your authorities, maintain order, and not lose your own head in the process. You didn't want to kill me. I know that. You know that. And God knows that. Remember, you tried to wash your hands of my blood so that you would not bear the guilt of my execution. You were afraid that my blood might be hurtful to you. I want you to know that my blood is not a curse. It's a blessing. And I pray that you will come to know that you did not take my life, but I gave it up for you and for all mankind. But Pilate, you need to stop riding the fence. You must stop trying to please everyone. You need to decide in your heart what is right and stand up for that. But you need to know you were right. I am a king, but not just the king of the Jews. I'm the king of the Galileans and the Samaritans and the Egyptians and the Ethiopians and the Phoenicians and even the Romans. But don't get your turban in a wad. I'm not here to overthrow a people. Just unite them. I'm going to set up a kingdom that is not of this world. And I want you to be a part of it. Oh, and one more thing, Pilate. The next time that your wife gives you advice, I suggest that you take it. Oh, and I've always wanted to say this. 
I'll be back. See you soon, Jesus. Well, we're almost done. John, my best friend, the one whom I love, the one whom I trust. I suspect that you have your hands full right now. I knew that my mom was going to take my death really hard, but I also know that you would have the strength to comfort her in her grief. Thank you for being there for her and for me. You'll never know how much I love you. Through all our years together, you were always there for me, and you could see the bigger picture better than everyone else. Well, except for that one time. Remember that one time when you and James wanted to call down fire from heaven on an entire village just because they didn't welcome me? <laughs> I wonder what you would do to Jerusalem right about now. But keep your sword in your sheath because I have some news for you. I know that you keep going over the last week in your head over and over again, but this little nugget is going to blow your mind. Remember when I said I was going to die? It was no accident. It wasn't a mistake. It was my plan from the beginning. Not the beginning of my ministry. Not the beginning of my life. Not the beginning of Israel. I mean from the very beginning. But the plan doesn't end there. Not only was I supposed to die, I'm going to rise again. Not like at the resurrection. I mean like on Sunday, I'm going to come back. You can write this down. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live forever even though they die. John, I can't wait to see you and hug your neck. Until then, take care of mom. Jesus. All right. There's just one more. Who might Jesus have written to? Oh, he wrote this one to us. How would he have known? To the Christians who are hearing this today some 2,000 years later. To my brothers and sisters in Hobbs, New Mexico. How did he know that Hobbs was even around? Not unlike my people living thousands of years ago, as the Son of Man, I came into this world. You have felt so much of what they felt. You've wrestled with doubt like Thomas. You have been overcome with grief like my mother. You have felt shame like Peter. Some of you have been caught in the middle like Pilate, amazed like the soldier, hopeful like Lazarus, and confused like Simon. Many of you have loved like John and shared my story like Matthew and displayed your faith like Nicodemus. And like all of them, it is important for you to know a few things. So please listen closely.
I love you with an, uh, un, with an everlasting love. A love that just will never end. As you wrestle with the guilt of your past and the shame of your sins, please know that I came and died for you and for them. I died carrying your shame. I died holding on to your sins. I won because I didn't let go of them. I took them. Those sins and that shame is mine. Now Satan is going to tell you otherwise. He will lie and tell you that you must carry them and the shame that drags you down. But don't listen to him. Like the soldier at the cross, I simply hope that you will look up, that you will see me, and that you will believe. Because it's been so long since I've been here on earth, you've been tempted to move on. To live your life apart from my promise. Some of you have given up hope. Others of you have been lured into thinking that what you can see and touch and taste is only what really exists. You're caught into believing that this world is all there is, but it's not. My Father and I have something so much better. Another thing that you must know, hate has been around for a long time. The world hated me, and it hates you, and it hates each other. You're probably thinking that the only thing this world cares about is how much it hates the person beside them. And this is what the world does. But it's not what we do. I chose to walk a path that loves sinners and saints friends and enemies, the evil and the righteous. I came to love all of them. Follow me as I love all of God's children. And last, like I told my friends before I went to the cross, I say to you now, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you? And if I am going to prepare a place for you, will I not come back and take you to be with me where I am also? Know this, the tomb is empty. I have risen and I'm coming back. I'm coming back for you, for the ones that I love. Until then, just keep praising me, keep serving God, and keep loving this world. The tomb is empty, and I've risen. I'll see you soon. I know that every day is a day to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. 
But today especially is an opportunity for us to be reminded of the empty tomb. And not, not just that it's empty, but that it's empty for you and the empty tomb is a promise that God said through my son, Jesus, I will defeat death and I will offer something that's greater. You can't see it and you can't touch it and you can't taste it, but it's there. Just believe in me. I have something special for you and I love you and I am coming back. I'm in a room full of some wonderful people. Some wonderful people who are dealing with grief and loss and doubt and sadness. We're stuck in jobs that we don't like, in marriages that are falling apart, with kids that drive us crazy. And we wonder. Is there something else? Did Jesus keep his promise? The empty tomb proclaims that he has. And he says, I'm coming back for you. So as you're dealing with difficult Mondays and crazy Wednesdays, as you find yourselves getting calls from doctors with bad news, with watching your parents' health decline, which seeing your kids struggle, don't give up. Jesus has not forgotten you. He made a promise and he is good. And so is his promise. He's coming back. And so this morning we're going to sing a song of praise and thanksgiving and be reminded that Jesus is coming back for us. Please join me as we sing this song. Please come as we stand and sing.